You're listening to the teaching ministry of Houston's First Baptist Church, a relevant biblical community. For more information, visit houstonsfirst.org. Well, what a joy for us to have this day together that we're going to take the Lord's Supper at the end of our service at all campuses. So Siena, Cyprus, downtown, The Loop. It is amazing. I love when we have Lord's Supper days because I love the thought that all throughout the city, all of our campuses that we're going to partake with the Lord's Supper at the end of our service. So that's going to be an amazing time. But to get ready for that, I want you to turn to Zechariah chapter 3. Uh-oh, Bible drill challenge. Can I find Zechariah before the sermon is over? I'll give you a little bit of a hint. It's the second to last book in the Old Testament, and you have a table of contents in your Bible. Okay, so you can turn there and you can look at the table of contents and still be a wonderful Christian. It's it's okay to be able to do that. So Zechariah chapter three is we're going to get, be there in just a second. I'm giving you a head start so that you can get there by the time I get there in just a few moments. But if you've traveled anytime on a plane, there's certain things you hear every time you get on a plane. Now, one of them that's been a special announcement this summer, if you've traveled that you've heard is this. We're sorry to inform you, your flight has been delayed, okay? So that's been one that's been classic this summer that's happened, but one that you're going to hear all the time, no matter if your flight's been delayed or not, is this. If needed, oxygen masks will be released from overhead to start the flow of oxygen, reach up, pull the mask towards you, fully extending the plastic tubing, place the mask over your nose, and slip the elastic band over your head to tighten, da 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 The plastic bag does not inflate, oxygen is flowing, and then here it is, you ready? Be sure to secure your own mask before assisting others. Be sure and put your own mask on before assisting others. And we hear that as a parent, we're like, I know I got to do this first. But what they're saying is take care of yourself so you'll be able to take care of others. Understand your oxygen intake, understand who you are in a sense, what you need, what's going on, not in a selfish way, but actually in an assisting way. And so what we're going to do today is we're in this series of God, me, us, is we're going to put our oxygen mask on first. We're going to understand what God's done for us. We're going to understand what it means to be a believer in Christ, what it means to walk in the truth of who God says you are, not who anybody else says you are, even including yourself. And so we're going to put our mask on first and then be able to look at other folks next week of how we can minister in those ways. Last week, we talked about our time together with God. I told you about how I spend time with God. I encourage you to spend time with God, that we live with focus, we live with traction, not distraction. If you didn't hear the message, I'd encourage you to go back and listen to it. But to be able to see our time with God, and then now our time with God informs us of what God's done in our life and what he says about us. John Calvin put it like this, nearly all the wisdom we possess, that is to say true and sound wisdom, wisdom consists of two parts, the knowledge of God and the knowledge of ourselves. The wisdom consists of two parts, the knowledge of God and the knowledge of ourselves. I want to quickly say this isn't a self-help, selfish sermon. This is not what it is. But as to understand what God has done in us, and then we can understand what God wants to do through us. So we're going to look at Zechariah chapter 3. Pretty interesting passage. It's a challenging passage. We know that it's true because it's in the Word of God. Now, Zechariah is an amazing book. Do you know that the New Testament alludes or quotes Zechariah 41 times? 
Zechariah means Yahweh remembers, and this is all happening in about the 500s BC. So we're gonna hear about Joshua, but that's not the Joshua of Moses and Joshua. That's like 1400s BC. This is like 500s BC, okay? There's a lot of people named Joshua throughout time. You probably went to school with somebody named Joshua. And that Joshua is not the Joshua with Moses either, okay? So we've got about a thousand year separation between that Joshua, the most famous wrote the book of Joshua kind of guy, and this Joshua that we'll get to in just a second. Now in this, we're going to see that Zechariah, he has eight visions, and we're going to see the fourth one. We're not going to look at the rest of it. We're just going to see the fourth one of these eight visions. Now what happens, these eight visions took place. It's so cool that we know these things. February 15th, 519 BC. This is when this happened. I love that about the scriptures, that we can say this is true. We can take it to, to the date in this case and say this is true. So we're going to look in Zechariah chapter 3, and we're going to see an interesting passage that is going to be Satan accusing Joshua, spewing lies. And we're going to see God step in and say, no, this is what I say about him. And the reason we're going to look at that for us for you, for me personally, is because oftentimes we can believe the lies that are spoken of our situation of who we are and who we are, or we can choose to believe what God says about us. And if we're really going to understand God's work in our life, if we're really going to understand the power of Jesus Christ, we're going to have to understand what God says is true. So in Siena, in Cyprus, downtown, radio ministry, everybody, loop, everybody, let's look at Zechariah chapter three, verse one. Then he showed me the high priest, Joshua, standing before, I want you to underline standing before, the angel of the Lord with Satan standing at his right side to accuse him. The Lord said to Satan, the Lord rebuke you, Satan. May the Lord who has chosen Jerusalem rebuke you, explanation point. Isn't this man a burning stick snatched from the fire, meaning salvation? Now Joshua is dressed with filthy clothes and he stood before the angel. So the angel of the Lord spoke to those standing before him and said, take off his filthy clothes. Then he said to him, see, I have removed your iniquity from you and I will close you with clothe you with festive robes. Verse five, then I said, let them put a clean turban on his head. So a clean turban was placed on his head and they clothed him in his garments while the angel of the Lord was standing nearby. We'll go a little further, but take your listening guide out right here. First point is this, our salvation won't free us from accusation. Our salvation won't free us from accusation. Then when you trust Jesus Christ as your savior, the enemy is actually gonna ramp up his accusations against you. Because you, now you're on the believing team. Now you're going for good. Now you're on the narrow way, not the broad way. And so to be able to say, I've trusted Jesus in salvation. Yes, it protects all of our eternity. Yes, it protects our hearts. Yes, nothing can come to us that hasn't flowed through, that flowed through the hand of God. But the accusations will still come. So here's Joshua. And this Joshua, he's the high priest. He's representing Israel. He is godly in his stature and he is representing Israel and he's the high priest, yet still is the high priest. The accusations come against him. They're coming against him from Satan himself. Now, isn't this an interesting dynamic? Think about this. Joshua, the high priest is standing there. He's standing before the Lord. 
okay? Before the angel of the Lord. Now, many commentators believe that the angel of the Lord is actually Jesus Christ. This is a pre-incarnate Christ. Before Jesus was born in Bethlehem, you know that Jesus didn't just like start in Bethlehem. You got that, right? He's eternal in nature. He's the second one of the Trinity. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. All of that, right? It's where it says in Genesis, and we will create them in our image. So we've got the Trinity from the very beginning. So Jesus Christ is who he's standing. Many commentators believe it. I could sure go with that. That's great. Standing before Jesus and standing by him is Satan. Let me give you just something. Who you stand before is more important than who you stand by. Who you stand before is more important than who you stand by. Who you stand by may accuse you and accuse you and accuse you and accuse you and accuse you. You may be standing by, by a parent that's accusing you. You may be standing by a, a coworker that's accusing you. You may be standing by a friend that's accusing you, a spouse that's accusing you. And I'm not talking about, hey, uh, they committed a crime. Those are good accusations, okay? We need to arrest criminals, all right? But I'm talking about lies coming against us, Right? So you're standing there and you think, I'm a terrible wife. I'm a terrible person. I'm a terrible this. I'm a terrible that. And you feel that blanket of guilt. I'll never amount to anything. I'm not smart enough. I'm not pretty enough. I'm not handsome enough. I'm not strong enough. I'm not good enough. All of those accusation things that come in condemnation generalities, not sinful repentance convictions, okay? Satan never wants to convict you of sin. Why? Because you'll turn to Jesus in repentance and you'll restore and you'll have a deeper relationship with God. That is not what Satan wants. Satan wants to throw a blanket of condemnation over the top of you. And so it comes in a a big generality. It comes in a big, huge, just wham, knock you down. And I found in my life that it comes when when the situation is challenging or I've done something that I shouldn't have done. Maybe not even sin. Maybe it's just something that just wasn't wise. And then, whoa, it comes. And the harder circumstances are in your life, the more the condemnation, the accusation come because he wants to kick you when you're down. So let's learn just a little bit here. I want to teach you a little bit about this enemy that we have called Satan. You know, this is real. There's a spiritual battle going on. C.S. Lewis in his book, Screwtape Letters, which is a great, amazing book, he says this, there are two equal and opposite errors in which our race, humans, can fall about about devils. So two opposite errors that we can get into. He's British, so I got to kind of conjugate it a little bit for you, okay? Uh, One is to disbelieve in their existence. The other is to believe and feel an excessive and unhealthy interest in them. Okay, so we're not saying devil behind every bush, and we can't say he doesn't exist. Just watch in our world, and you'll see atheists talk about the evil in our world. Where does that come from? Well, that comes from the enemy. But he cloaks himself because he wants to be a deceiver. Let me just give you some names. He's an ad, these are all biblical names. Satan is called an adversary, the accuser, the evil one, the slanderer, the serpent, the tempter, the destroyer, the dragon, the God, little g, of this world. So what does he do? Well, he lies in John chapter 8, verse 44. When he lies, he is speaking to his own nature, for he is a liar and the father of lies. That's his native tongue. As you speak English, he speaks lies. 
He blinds the minds of unbelievers in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 4. He hides what's true. The God of this age has blinded the minds of unbelievers to keep them from seeing the light of the gospel and the glory of Christ. Do you ever watch and you're like, what are y'all thinking? He's blinded the minds of unbelievers. He disguises himself. 2 Corinthians eleven thirteen. even Satan disguises himself as an angel of light. He, light, he doesn't come with a, a pitchfork and a, and a red you know, tail kind of thing. It'd be too obvious. He sneaks in. He sneaks in as a deceiver. He tempts people even to sin. To sin, he even tried to tempt Jesus in Matthew chapter four. He steals the word of God from people's heart, chokes out their faith. Mark four fifteen. Satan immediately comes and takes away the word that has been sown to them when the seed is put out there. And so we go on and on. He's a murderer. You are of your father, the devil, and your will is to do the father's desires. He was a murderer from the beginning. We could go on and on. Satan is real. Satan is active. He roars about like a roar. He, he goes about like a roaring lion, seeking who he can devour. Now we can get too into it, but we can stay too out of it too. And so, right here now, Satan is accusing Joshua. He's accusing Joshua. He's a lying accuser. Now, I took a New Testament course in college. Um, and I just, you know, I went to, you know, a, a state university, A&M, and they, they had a New Testament course. So I thought, well, that'd be a great elective for me to take. So I took it and I had to write a paper and I had to write a paper on Satan. And I didn't capitalize the name Satan throughout the paper. And I got points off and my teacher said, you've got to capitalize the name Satan because it's a, it's a noun, noun. It's a, it's a name. It's a proper name. You got to capitalize it. And I told this to my professor. I was a little, you know, I'm still bold now, I hope, but I was, you know, real bold back then. I was like, I don't want to give him respect. And my teacher said, well, I'm going to give you a B. <laughs> and I said, well, I'll take a B more than I'll take respect in the enemy, right? To be able to do that. Now, it's okay. It gets capitalized in the Bible sometimes, all right? So, but yeah, hey, I mean, I was... 20, you know, I mean, let's go, right? And so, yes, we have to have the respect and a healthy respect type of thing, but at the same time, he is not an equal with God. He's a defeated foe that knows he has only a short time left, is what it says in Revelation, that Jesus has crushed his head and he has bruised his heel. So greater is he, it says in John 4, 4, greater is he who is in me than he who is in the world. But the attacks are still gonna come. And let me just tell you, when you get in a fight with your spouse and you don't even know what you're fighting anymore, Satan is in the midst. You're just going after each other. That's a problem. And that's a time when it, the enemies come in and say, okay, let me take this, let me take this, let me take this. When things are just chaotic, you just gotta stop at some point and say, wait a minute, who's behind this? Stop, pray, read, slow it down. So here's Joshua here with Satan next to him. And students, hear me. Who's next to you doesn't mean as much as who you're in front of. You will stand before God. We will all stand before God. You are before Christ. You're next to your pals. You follow God. Good for us as adults to hear that as well. So condemnation comes in generalities. What does Satan say? He says, well, he's filthy. He's just filthy. He's just filthy. He's just filthy. Now, one commentator said, there's no beautiful picture of the gospel found within the Old Testament than this. And so here we have this, this showing of who he is. 
Now watch what God does in verse two, okay? Look at, let's read verse one again just to get the context. So he showed me the high priest Joshua, we know who that is now, standing before the angel of the Lord, that could be Jesus, with Satan standing at his right side to accuse him. The Lord said to Satan, the Lord rebuke you, Satan. May the Lord who has chosen Jerusalem rebuke you, and we've been chosen in Christ as believers in Jesus. Isn't this man a burning stick snatched from the fire? Number two, God sets the record straight, not me. God sets the record straight, not me. So Joshua doesn't defend himself. Jesus steps in and says, the Lord rebuke you, Satan. God steps in and sets the record straight. I love that God steps in himself. And it's not just some kind of pep talk. It's the truth of saying, rebuke you, Satan. This is my chosen one. This is Joshua. I know he's covered in filth right now, but I'm gonna take care of that. God sets the record straight. It's a quick interaction between God and Satan. He's rebuked and he's gone. No higher authority or power exists than God. If God says you're free, you're free. If God says you're beautiful, you're beautiful. If God says he's got you in his hand, which he does, he's got you in his hand. If God says he's gonna take care of you, he's gonna take care of you. If God says he loves you, he loves you. If God says you've been forgiven, you've been forgiven. There is no higher authority than God. And so it doesn't matter what somebody next to you is saying, what's God saying about this? And so if we're gonna understand ourselves, we gotta put the oxygen, the living oxygen of Jesus Christ on to say, this is the truth about my circumstance. This is the truth about who I am. This is the truth about the gifts I have. This is the truth about how God's created me. God doesn't create mistakes. He knows exactly how he created you. He knows every bit of your DNA. He made you a boy, he made you a girl, he made you a man, he made you a woman. He made you gifted like you're gifted. He made you the size that you are. Hey man, I'd love to have another six inches. It ain't gonna happen, right? God made me a little man talking about a big God so that nobody be intimidated by it, I guess. I don't know why. But that's good, that's the real oxygen. And so God sets the record straight, not me. There's a song. I just have loved this song all summer long. It's C.C. Winans. She's amazing. She could just belt it. I've never met her. I hope I get to meet her one day. Just She just belts it out with this kind of gospel flair to it. And there's a song called Believe For It. And here's what it says in the live version. And we're actually going to play it as you leave today at all campuses. You'll hear this little section. I ask them to go to four minutes and 35 seconds so you could hear it walking out the door. And this is what they say in the live version over and over. She says just only how she could just belt it out. You said it. I believe it. You said it. It is done. And I just, this summer, just been thinking about this song and even this message coming out of my quiet times with the Lord of going through Zechariah just to be able to say, you said it. I believe it. You said it. It's done. It's done. God doesn't have to go to any approval. You don't go to the car dealership and talk to God, and then he goes back to the manager to see if we can work the deal out. God does it. He makes the deal. And when he makes the deal, the deal is done. Joshua was chosen. Jerusalem was chosen, it says. And Jesus Christ chooses us as well and invites us all to come to Christ as Savior. And we choose him as well. There's no higher authority God's grace has saved. Did you see it? He has saved. Isn't this man, the end of verse two, a burning stick snatched from the fire? 
How close is a burning stick to going up? It's already on fire. Snatched from the fire. We've already sinned. Nobody had to teach us to sin. Nobody teaches a two-year-old to say mine. It comes very natural to us. And Jesus Christ came to planet earth and died on a cross and rose again and snatched us from the fire and saved us. Wow. And you can place your trust in Christ alone as your savior. Say, Lord, I want to be saved. I realize that Satan's real and hell's real and salvation is real and Jesus is real, and the gospel is real. And I'm standing here with filthy clothes. Remember, Joshua's standing there being accused with filthy clothes. Is the filth true? Yes, it is. It's actually, if you dig deeper, the filth, they believe, is to be human excrement, okay? Can't get any grosser than that. Covered in filthy garments, but God sets the record straight. God sets the record straight. No matter what anybody else says, he sets the record straight. Give you an illustration. There was a guy that was accused of a crime. They came against him. Uh, they said, you're the one. They arrested him. They sent him off uh, to be held in jail. While he was in jail, his lawyer said, I'm getting you out. You didn't do this. And he said, I didn't do this. He said, I wasn't even there when it happened. I was at a Dodger game. He was in Los Angeles. I was at a Dodger game when the crime took place. Now, as Astro fans going to a Dodger game, that's a crime just in and of itself. Okay, so we get that. This is another, this is a secondary kind. This is a real crime, all right? So they say, well, you were at the Dodger game. How can we prove that you're at the Dodger game? So well, let me show you the tickets. Well, the tickets don't really prove you were at the Dodger game. You could have had the tickets and not gone to the Dodger game. He said, well, I remember that they were filming at the Dodger game. And filming at the Dodger game, I don't know what they were filming, but this guy kept coming up and down the aisle. So they went through all of the tapes and they started looking. And sure enough, with tens of thousands of fans... The guy that they were filming was coming up and down the aisle and the guy was holding the aisle. So this man that was accused of a crime and his six-year-old daughter couldn't come down the aisle. And for some reason, the guy led him through and he walked through and on the HBO video camera filming was this man and his daughter walking in and turning and going to sit in their seats. Then the next shot was coming up of them sitting there in their seats. What are the chances of that? Then they said, well, but the crime was committed an hour later. You could have been there and you could have gotten there. Did you make any phone calls? Yes, I did. And his cell phone called right at the end of the game, right before they were there, and it pinged off the tower right there at Dodger Stadium so that they knew he was within a one-mile radius and he didn't commit the crime. They ended up finding the people that committed the crime and he walked out to embrace his six-year-old daughter and his family again. God can set the record straight. I don't have to do it. I'm just a burning stick that got taken. That's the oxygen mask. God says you're gorgeous. God said he made you like he made you. God said he wants to do with you what he wants to do with you. God said he loves you. God said he's with you. God knows the trial you're under. He knows the burden you're under. He knows what's going on in your body or your loved one's body. He knows and he's with you right there and he can set the record straight. He takes us from death to life, darkness to light, sinful to righteous, burning stick to the cross of Christ. That's the oxygen of heaven. It gets even better. Look at verse three. 
Now Joshua was dressed in filthy clothes as he stood before the angel. So the angel of the Lord spoke to him, standing before him, take off his filthy clothes that are covered in excrement. Then he said to him, see, I have removed your iniquity from you. I will watch. This is the gospel. This is incredible. Clothed in Christ. I will clothe you with festive robes. And I will put a clean turban, that was a a high priestly garment, to have a turban, to have a clean turban on your head. So a clean turban was placed on his head, and they clothed him in garments while the angel of the Lord Jesus was standing nearby. Wow. My condition is obvious, but not hopeless. My condition is obvious, but not hopeless. If oxygen falls, it's obvious. You need some help on that plane. But it's not hopeless yet. And so my condition and Joshua's condition and your condition, it's obvious. We've got sin. It's like Lazarus in in John chapter 11. He comes out of the grave, take off his, what do they say? His grave clothes, right? What did Jesus leave in the empty tomb of John 20? His grave clothes were left there. What does Romans chapter 13 verse 14 say? That we are clothed with Christ. So the clothing is obvious. As obvious as my jacket and my shirt is to you today, so can our sin be to others. So can the things being wrong in our lives. So can the things we've done against people. It can be very obvious to people. But repentance and asking forgiveness of the Lord and others, those obvious clothes can turn into restored relationship and beautiful garments. Isn't that amazing? So he says, Joshua, you guys are out. You, you help him take off those clothes. Church is basically, we're helping you each week, helping quiet times or each day, trying to help ourselves to just continue to get those grave clothes off us and see what God's already done in us. The true clothes of being clothed in Christ. Our condition is obvious, but it's not hopeless. Revelation chapter 19, verse eight says, and the believers will be clothed in fine linen. It would be symbolic of their good works. God has a plan. God makes the change. Grace is a big part of it. Have you trusted in Jesus Christ as your savior? Have you given up your grave clothes, if you will, your filthy garments of sin and said, Jesus, I wanna be clothed in you. You're my only hope. I'm a stick that's burning at the fire. And if I go my own way, I'm gonna burn up. But Lord, I want you to rescue me by your stick, the cross of Christ, to be able to come into my life and change my life and save my soul. I did that when I was 16 years old. Have you trusted in Jesus as your savior? I'm not talking about you go to church. Have you trusted in Jesus as your savior? Because he changes us from the inside out. It's the good news of the gospel. And that's what this is saying. We come filthy in our sin. For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, but the free gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. So we lay our sin at the cross and we take up his righteousness. Our condition is obvious, but it's not hopeless. Let me give you a little funny illustration. I have a Jeep, that's what I typically drive. And there's like a whole Jeep culture where you can find all these YouTube videos of all this different stuff and all this Jeep stuff and different things like that. And that's great. So my check engine light came on. So um, I went to auto parts thing. They plugged in the little thing. They said, it's code 5822. And I went, well, sure. I knew it was a 5822, 44, 68, 20. Could you print that out for me just so I can show the other people what that really means? So they printed out. What's this little emissions thing that, you know, I don't know. But it's like $35, okay? Okay. So I thought, well, this 
just looked up on YouTube. How do you replace a 55, 48, 22, 25? So they showed a little video. This is so easy. This is so easy. You just get on your and I was like, I can do this. So I get underneath the Jeep. I can't even find the part, <laughs> much less am I going to change the part. So good news, I didn't do it, okay? And I was like, the Lord spoke to me, plumbing and auto work, you should never do, Greg, ever, okay? Just, it is not your gift, right? Go speak to the plumbers, go speak to the auto workers or something, but don't do it. I couldn't even find the part in the car or underneath the car, I, I knew better than it was in the car, <laughs> underneath the car that they were saying, so easy, so easy, so easy, so easy, so easy, so easy. So I don't know, I'm just not going to do it. My condition is obvious, but it's not hopeless because somebody knows how to fix the part. Jesus Christ is the mechanic of the heart. He's the fixer of the soul. He's the forgiveness of the heart. He's the true oxygen. And so there's a lot of check engine lights going off on our dashboard of our lives all the time. Is there not? There's a lot of low fuels. There's a lot of, it's running too hot here. Check engine there. Look out for this here. Time to get service there. And we've got to be able to come to Jesus and say, Lord, we trust you. Our unrighteousness is removed by the cross. God's righteousness is imputed, meaning placed in us. Now we see ourselves. Watch on the me. God, me, us. Here's the me. Now we need to see ourselves as Christ sees us. And when I see myself as Christ sees me, it changes how I live my life. And it changes how I receive or do not receive the accusations of the enemy. And I just wonder if you've been lied to your whole life. Maybe you're creating your own lies. And your negative talk is you in the mirror telling yourself all this stuff. What does Jesus say about you? That's the oxygen. So Cyprus, Siena, downtown, hear it. That's the oxygen. Standing before Jesus, who has the final word and changes the garments and makes us righteous before God, means we don't have to listen to what the enemy's saying. He's an accuser. He's a liar. He's a slanderer. He's a dragon. He's all the rest of the list I gave you. Why are we going to listen to him? Let's listen to God. See ourselves through the view of the cross, not through the view of our sin. Last point, and we're going to go to the Lord's Supper. We respond with grace-infused obedience. So how do we respond to this? With grace-infused obedience. I told you I don't know a lot about mechanics, but I know a little bit to say that the car you put in, the fuel you put into your car is different than the fuel that you put into a dragster, is different than the fuel that you put into a jet, which is different than the fuel you would put into a rocket. And so grace-infused and be obedience is different than just obedience. See it? Obedience is, yes, sir, I will do what is right, sir. I will do this from discipline, not from desire, sir. I will do what you say, God, sir. All that stuff, that's great. Grace-infused obedience is you've saved me, 
So I want to live for you. I want to know you better. I want to discover you deeper. I want to walk with you, not just so I don't get in trouble, not just so I can do the right thing, but because I love Jesus and Jesus loves me. Here's Parenting 101. Tell your kids this, love Jesus and be wise and everything else will take care of itself. And there's other things we're going to do, no doubt. But that love for Jesus is grace-infused. So how is Joshua going to respond to being a stick snatched from the fire, his clothes filled with excrement taken off him, priestly uh, turban being put on him, beautiful righteous robes put on him? How's the response going to be? Then verse 6, let's look at verse 6, and we'll wrap up. Then the angel of the Lord charged Joshua. So he's saying, this is, you know, Jesus is... If you'll go with me on that, if you believe that, as the commentators, many of them do. This is what the Lord of armies says. So this is a big statement. Lord of hosts, God's in charge, says, if you'll walk in my ways and keep my mandates, you will both rule my house and take care of my courts, and I will grant you access among those who are standing here. He says, if you'll walk with me, walk in my ways and keep my commands, I'm going to give you the ability, a blessing of leadership. I'm going to give you a blessing of caring for people. And I'm going to give you a blessing of being connected. So the leadership, the care, and the connection is where he says, I will grant you access. Uh, uh, You will both rule my house, leadership. You will take care of my courts, give care. I will also grant you access among those who are standing here. So you're going to walk with a place of influence. So if your obedience can be grace-infused and you'll walk in my ways, keep my mandates, keep my commands, do that because of what I've done for you, Joshua, then you're going to see this blessing happen in your life that you're going to be able to make a difference. Do you see our series? God, me, us. And even Zechariah 3.10 says, and then all the neighbors will come and sit underneath their own shade tree. You get in those next verses, we don't have time to go over a lot of messianic prophecy of Jesus being the branch and who Christ is. See, when you realize you're saved, you want to live for God in a grateful response. Last illustration, and we'll go to the Lord's Supper. Did you see the news, I believe it was last week, of a guy named Tim Shattuck? He was 51 He and his dog, Bella, spent three months at sea drifting on their catamaran because a storm blew out all of their their guidance equipment. So for three months, they drifted. Let me show you a picture of him and his dog. It's him and his dog, Bella. And then we'll show you a picture of him eating raw fish for three months. Thin, but looks pretty bright in the eyes. So that's when he was rescued by a tuna boat. They were searching for tuna and they found this guy and they found his dog after three months. And here's what I watched the, the, um, the press conference and here's the quote of what he said. You ready for this? And as soon as he said it, I hit pause and rewound it. I was like, amen. Here's what he said. When you get saved, you feel like you want to live. So I'm very grateful. When you get saved, you feel like you want to live for Jesus. And we are so grateful. So Mrs. Burning Stick snatched from the fire by Jesus. God gets the last word. He knows you were at the Dodger game. He knows exactly where you are every single moment. And he can take care of you in any moment he needs to take care of you. Oh, Mr. Burning Stick, he knows you've been adrift for three months. 
because the guidance somehow got blown away and you hadn't been in this word in a long time. And he sent Jesus Christ for you to stand before. Doesn't matter who stands next to you. It's who you stand before. And when you stand before God, that changes everything. The enemy is real, but God is stronger and he gets the final say. You said it. I believe it. You said it. It is done. And he can rescue us. And when he rescues us and we begin to breathe the oxygen of heaven, now we can assist others having put our mask on first. Do you know Jesus? Have you trusted Jesus as your savior? If you do, are you really walking with, I'm not talking about you, are you really walking with him? Do you love Jesus? Well, I've been to church my whole life. Doesn't matter. Do you love Jesus and breathe in the oxygen of heaven? If so, God, me, us, he's going to do some things in your heart and your life. He's going to grow you. He's the one that's in charge. So with that heart and this message in our mouths, with that taste and that breath of oxygen, that way we come to the body and the blood. If you're not a believer in Christ, just let us show you what it means to have communion with God just symbolically in the Lord's Supper. If you are a believer in Christ, I I just encourage you to just with grace-infused obedience go, wow, you bled for me and died for me. Father, we come in Jesus' name. All throughout our city, how cool that right now, Houston's first in Cyprus, in Siena, 50 miles apart, downtown, the loop, all throughout our city. We're coming to declare Jesus is real. And the Lord's Supper is symbolic of his death on the cross and his blood shed for us. Prepare our hearts, God. Speak to us. Pray this. In Jesus' name. If you would, prepare the top part. It can be a little tricky, so be careful with the wafer. says in Luke chapter 22, when the hour came, he reclined at the table and the apostles were with him. And then he said to them, I have fervently desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. For I tell you, I will not eat it again until it is fulfilled in the kingdom of God. He took the bread and he said, this is my body broken for you. And he took a cup. If you'll open up the juice portion. 
So he took the cup. After giving thanks, he said, take this and share it among yourself. For I tell you now, I will not drink of the fruit of the vine until the kingdom of God comes. His blood shed for you. Father, we come in Jesus' name to the Lord's supper table and we say you snatched us like a burning stick. We were clothed in our sin and you gave us righteous garments. You rebuke the enemy on our behalf. You step in where we can't do it. You step in. And we tell you, Lord, we love you. May our lives be lived because we were saved. Not from just drifting on the ocean, but drifting in our own lives. May the oxygen we breathe be the oxygen of heaven. And then you'll use us to lead, to care, to have access with you and connection with other people's lives. Would you take just a moment before we worship? Just say, thank you, God. Father, we're grateful. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom. Thine is the power. Thine is the glory forever and ever and ever and ever and ever and ever and ever. Amen. So protect us against the enemy and guide us in our lives. In Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to the teaching ministry of Houston's First Baptist Church. We invite you to worship with us at one of our four locations at The Loop, Cypress, Downtown, or Siena. Follow us on social media or visit us online at houstonsfirst.org.